Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And why don't you, uh, why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Acts chapter 19, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, he, he finds several believers, the Bible says in verse 1. And here is his question to them, Acts 19, verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, so basically what happens is they are, they are beginning to follow the gospel. They're beginning to follow the teachings of Jesus. But they don't have a full understanding of the work of salvation. They now come into the full understanding that Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord. They're baptized in the name of Jesus. And then after salvation, this is really important, after salvation, Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues. They prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. Paul said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I want to preach from the subject, receive him receive him say that out loud say receive him him. while you're standing let's pray father in the name of jesus i pray that you would speak now so clearly i ask you holy spirit to minister to your people i ask you to speak through your word and ask you to confirm the preaching of your word with your presence your power and your anointing thank you that not one person is here by accident but that you have drawn us together you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you, brother. So in Acts chapter 19, and I'm going to be a little teachy today, so everyone just lock in with me and try to, try to stay engaged with me. Acts chapter 19, we're now 24 years after Pentecost. So in Acts chapter 2, the church is birthed. The Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. The believers, 120, are baptized with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues. They go out to the streets. They start preaching the word of God. And there is the birth of the church. 3,000 people saved on the day of Pentecost. This is all in the Bible. Acts chapter 2, thousands and thousands over the next weeks and months would get saved. There is now literally a revival happening in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And now 24 years later, the Apostle Paul is on a missionary journey. The gospel has gone out to all of these different regions in Europe. But just 24 years later, there is already ignorance about the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? We've never even heard there's a Holy Spirit. The church is already ignorant and uninformed just 24 years later about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. But I think we're not much better today in the American church. I think most Christians would say, I know I've heard of the Holy Spirit. I've I've heard people being water baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've I've, I've sang songs like that, but I I don't really know anything about the Holy Spirit. But I want to help you, and I believe this series is going to help you because it is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. 
It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, perfectly equal with the Father, perfectly equal with the Son, and incredibly relevant and important to believers today. So here's, here's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, John 16, verse 6. You're, you're grieving over what I've told you. What, what are they grieving about? They're grieving over the fact that Jesus said, I'm about to ascend to the Father. You're grieving that I'm leaving. But in fact, it is best for you. Time out. This is important. Jesus said the best thing that can happen to a human being is the Holy Spirit. It is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So why is it best that Jesus ascended to the Father? Why is it best that we have the Holy Spirit? Here's why. Because what Jesus was to the 12 disciples, the Holy Spirit is to the church. What Jesus could only do with 12 or maybe with the 70, the Spirit of God can do with two Point two billion believers alive right now on the earth. Isaiah looked into the future. He looked into the church in Isaiah chapter 60 and he said, I see the glory of the Lord covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. How is this possible? It is possible by the Holy Spirit because you have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And now the church empowered by the Spirit of God is literally changing the world. The gospel is everywhere. The gospel is reaching millions and billions of people. And this could only happen by the Holy Spirit. What Jesus was to John, what Jesus was to Peter, what Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is to us. So we've entitled this series Fresh Wind. Why are we calling it Fresh Wind? Why are we singing this beautiful song called Fresh Wind? Because the, the name Holy Spirit, spirit literally means wind. It's a Greek word called pneuma. It wasn't a spiritual word 2,000 years ago. It just meant breath. It just meant wind. It just meant breeze. It meant to inhale and exhale. So when they put Holy Spirit together, they were saying the Holy Spirit is the oxygen in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is the oxygen of heaven. The Holy Spirit is the oxygen for the believer. This is why in Romans 14, the Bible would say that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in, in, in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our oxygen. He's our atmosphere. He is the place in which we live and breathe and move and have our being. But he's a wind. He's breath. He's... We recently traveled last week. We flew six hours from Charlotte to Vegas, and for six hours we had that mask on. And I'll tell you, when we walked out of that airport and just, ah, there's nothing better than that feeling. Can I tell you, the Spirit of God is the oxygen of heaven. He is the breath of heaven. He is the wind of heaven. Now, I could give you a lot, but let me just give you 13. (laughs) The Spirit of God... Is like oil, the Bible says. Now, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff today. It'll go up on our Facebook this week. So relax, note takers, because you're going to miss it. Yeah. Just hear what I'm saying. The Spirit of God is like oil. 
The Spirit of God is like a river. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is like rain. The Holy Spirit is like water refreshing us. The Holy Spirit is like dew that covers the earth. The Holy Spirit is like wind. The Holy Spirit is like a dove. The Holy Spirit is like fire. The Holy Spirit is like clothing where we're clothed with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is like light. He is like wine. That's where we can be filled and drunk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a... Some of y'all just got nervous. Relax. The Holy Spirit (laughs) is the gift of the Spirit. I promise you I'm drunk in the Spirit right now. I've been inebriated by the Holy Spirit. I didn't watch the news this morning and then get up here and preach. I didn't, I didn't watch a, the Kardashians and get up and preach. Since 6 a.m. this morning, I've been praying in the Spirit. In the wor- I'm filled with the Spirit right now. So I'm not, I'm not being goofy. I'm just telling you, you can... Okay, here we go. He is like a seal, the, the seal of approval. When you would inspect a package and you would make sure that all the contents were approved and then you would put a seal, an inspection of approval. The Bible says that the Spirit of God is a seal upon the believer, approving us. When God the Father sees you, He sees the person of the Holy Spirit residing within you and He goes, I approve. The Spirit of God is glory, the heavy presence of the Lord. Is the Holy Spirit oil? No, but He's like oil. Is the Holy Spirit a river? Nobody's like a refreshing river. Is the Holy Spirit rain? Nobody's like a cool spring rain. Is the Holy Spirit a dove? Nobody falls upon people like a dove. Is the Holy Spirit clothing? No, he's not a piece of clothing, but he clothes us. Is the Holy Spirit wine? No, but he fills us. And I could keep on going. Now now, now you go, why all these names? Why Why is he the Holy why, why couldn't God have given us maybe a better, easier description for our little American minds to understand? Remember, this is an Eastern book. This wasn't written in the West. This wasn't written in the 1500s with the Reformation. This is an Eastern book from the Near East. God is a supernatural God. He is not the God of the Reformation. He is the God of the Scriptures. not the God of Baptists. He's not the God of Pentecostals. He's not the God of Lutherans. He's not the God of Eastern Orthodox. He's not the God of the Catholic Church. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a supernatural God. And so not everything in our little American cute packaging always works because God goes, I'm bigger than all of that. You can't brand me. I'm too big for that. You can't label me. I'm too big for that. What do you like? I'm like, I'm like wind. I'm like a river. I'm like oxygen to your soul. Here's why. Because God doesn't want to just be studied or explained. The Holy Spirit is to be experienced. Everything I'm going to say today is going to be so much more powerful when you've actually had an experience with heaven. God is not to be studied. God is not a topic. He is a person. He's to be known, to be loved, and to be worshipped. So let me give you three important questions about the Holy Spirit today. So I I read about speaking in tongues at the beginning of service. Some of y'all are so nervous. Stop. We're not even going to talk about tongues today. We're not there yet. We're not going to prophesy today. Don't worry. Everyone, just everyone chill. Somebody like, when are the tongues going to start? Just chill. Y'all are so nervous. 
But in case you want to know, I spoke in tongues all morning. I played worship music. I prayed in the spirit. We believe in that. We do that around here. But chill. Number, Number one, number one, number one. Who is God? You have to ask yourself and you have to answer this question. Who is God? God is one. God is one. The most sacred prayer of the Jewish people to this day is the Shema prayer from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel, or pay attention, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This has many meanings. First and foremost, it means that there is one God. We are monotheists. We believe in one God. We don't believe in many gods. We believe in one God. There is only one God. It is Yahweh God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the Lord. He is the I am that I am. He's the uncreated one. He is one. But he's not just one. He's first. This word one doesn't, doesn't just mean there's one. It means he's first. Like, like you can't compare him to anything else. He's, he's one and only. He's once and for all. There was never one before him. There will never be one after him. There wasn't a God before Yahweh, and there won't be a God after Yahweh. There's just Yahweh God. He is the Lord. He's one and only. And God warns us in Exodus 20, verse 3 in the Ten Commandments, don't put any God, small g, before me. Don't try to compare anything you have to me. Don't try to lift anything up in value compared to me. I'm, I'm it. And anytime you try, he said it like this, don't put anything beside me. Don't, don't compare money to me. Don't compare influence to me. Don't compare relationships to me. Don't compare clout to me. Don't compare entertainment to me. Don't compare your boat to me. Don't compare. There's no one beside me. Like no one can be at this level. This is not where he's first, but there's silver and there's bronze. No, no, no. There's no one beside me. I'm, I'm one. I am number one. I am first. Never been one before me. There will never be one after me. This is it. So God is one. And God, number two, is a trinity. We believe in the trinity. And not only do we believe in trinity, but I would say that 99% of Orthodox Christianity in the world believes in a trinity. There would be a very small group of people that would not believe in the trinity. And we would reject that teaching wholeheartedly. Well, Jabin, Trinity is not found in the Bible. Well, Bible is not found in the Bible. (sighs) Trinity is a theological word that is found in the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. I'm talking the earliest, earliest of earliest Christian teachings where men of God got together and said, "What, what what are the absolutes? What are the things we're ready to die for and divide for? And they said, God is a Trinity. He is eternally God, eternally the Father, eternally Son, eternally Holy Spirit. Now, now, is that a mystery? Yes. Is that too big for us to understand? Yes. Does that blow your mind? Yes. But he is a trinity. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And look at the trinity. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He is one, but he is a trinity. This is who God is. God is not one God, three manifestations. He's not God sometimes, Jesus sometimes, the Holy Spirit sometimes, the Father sometimes. He is eternally, because because that would be what is called modalism, which is a false doctrine, modalism. That sometimes he's Jesus, sometimes he's the... That, that would be three manifestations. We reject that wholeheartedly. He is one God, three persons. God is, on the screen, God is eternally God the Father, eternally God the Son, eternally God the Holy Spirit. Why eternally? Let's leave it up for a second. Because Jesus was not a man who became a God. He was eternally God. See, this is, and no offense if you're Mormon or Jehovah Witness, but Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons believe that Jesus was a man who became a God, and so can you. But, but I serve the God that is one. <laughs> I serve the God that is one and for all. I serve the God, there is none beside him or like him, and I cannot become like that. No offense. Let me just tell you the truth. Jesus was not a man who was perfected and became a God. Jesus was God the Word who humbled himself, took on flesh, and became God the Son eternally, took on an earth suit for you and for me. When we could not get to God, God got to us. But he was not a man who became a God. He was God who became man. But never lost his deity. Eternally. God, eternally the Son, eternally the Father, eternally the Holy Spirit. Jesus never lost. Jesus did not lose, by the way, his deity on the cross. Because you, you can't separate the Trinity. That's a whole other... Okay, keep it. I've been gone for two weeks. Can you tell? I'm like, well, turn over here. No, no, I got to keep going. Okay. That's for another time. But So we believe in a Trinity. I'll say this too. Some of you go, well, what's going to happen in heaven? Are we going to see like, is it like a three-headed? No. (laughs) I wholeheartedly believe when we go to heaven, we will see Jesus face to face. Because he is a man. He has human flesh. We will see Jesus. He will be in his glorified body. We will be in our glorified body. The Father will sit on the throne in inapproachable light, the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit will be the glory of the Son. He'll be the glory of the Lord filling the heavens. But we will physically see Jesus. Genesis 1. Let us make man in our own image. And in our own likeness. How about John chapter 1 verse 1. This is John giving theology to Genesis 1. This is just important to know. John wrote John 1 in response to Genesis 1. This is important. Because John was a scholar. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, verse 14, was made flesh and dwelt among men. So, the Word, Jesus, that's capital W, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And he actually says, and no one knew God except the Word. In other words, (laughs) words, (laughs) and... (laughs) This is a picture of the Trinity. Remember, let me just go back to Genesis 1. Let us make man in our own image. God creator, the Holy Spirit, was on the surface of the deep. 
we see the Trinity. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was water baptized. The Father spoke. This is my Son in whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Jabin, I thought we were talking about the Holy Spirit. We're getting there. I'm taking the long route. Jesus baptized the Holy, the, the Father said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove. We see the Trinity. Is this too big for us? Yep. Is this beyond our pay grade? Yep. Could I use crude examples like H2O and say he's like water and he's like ice and he's like steam? Yeah, but I don't like to do that because he's almighty God. Is he like an egg with the shell and the white and the yolk? I guess, but I don't like to say stuff like that. You know what I like to say? I like to say to him who sits on the throne and under the lamb be glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. Does that make sense? Like, is, is it too big for, yep. That's why he's God and I'm not. And God expect, expects us to trust his magnitude. That's who God is. Number two, is the Holy Spirit a person? Is the Holy Spirit a person? Well, let's find out from the words of Jesus. John 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he, everyone say he. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He. Now, now I'll, in later weeks, teach on how the Holy Spirit does that because the Holy Spirit will always bring you back to the Word. But that's for another time. But He, I'm just telling you He. Jesus did not call the Holy Spirit it. Called Him He. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. Everyone say him. I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Jesus called the Holy Spirit a person because he is. In the Bible, you see the Holy Spirit 96 times. You see the Spirit of the Lord 28 times. You see the Spirit of God 26 times. Now, as I give you these names, I want you to reach out for what you need because this is so relevant. Again, this isn't just, not just the Bible study. Reach out for, for what heaven has for you. He is the eternal Spirit. He is the helper. Anybody need a little help? <laughs> he is the helper. He is the comforter. I don't know if you need comfort today. He's the comforter. He's the Holy One. He's the Lord. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the spirit of counsel. Let me, let me tell you why the church has so embraced my truth. Because we've rejected the spirit of truth. And so in the flesh, we are trying to define truth by our own experience because we've rejected the Holy Spirit. And the, the reason the church has gotten so liberal and so weak is because we no longer have the spirit of truth. That's why the church is only allowed to be outraged about whatever culture tells us we can be outraged about. Oh, we can be indignant about certain sins as long as CNN tells us we can be indignant about those sins. But don't touch abortion. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even go into purity. Don't even go into sexual purity. Don't, oh, you can't touch that because culture won't let us. So we're sharing our truth. But he's the spirit of truth. I didn't mean to go there. Sorry. Don't log off. (laughs) Anybody else get nervous? He's the spirit of counsel. 
He's the spirit of your father. He's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. He's the spirit of holiness. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of glory. He's the spirit of love. He's the spirit of the sound mind. He's the spirit of power. He's the spirit of judgment. He's the spirit of might. He's the spirit of burning. He's the spirit of knowledge. He's the spirit of life. He's the spirit of prophecy. He's the spirit of revelation. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of understanding. This is who the Holy Spirit is. Why all those different descriptions? Because the Spirit of God is saying, whoever you need, whatever you need, I can help you. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That does not mean the Holy Spirit had sex with Mary. That did not happen. It means that the Spirit of God, who Job said was present at creation, the Spirit of God went into the womb of Mary and created a human being on the inside of Mary. That's what he did. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit, and promised the Holy Spirit to his church. Is he a person? I say yes. He has emotions. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 said that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He has emotions. That means if, if he can be grieved, he can be happy. If he can be offended, he can be pleased. Ooh. That means you can please the Holy Spirit by your life or grieve the Holy Spirit by your life. You're still going to heaven, but you're grieving him. Or you can go to heaven and please him. He can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. He can be quenched. What does that mean? It means that he wants to do something and we stop it. That's one of the reasons why I, this little small building, it's limiting us from ministry because we have to, get, have to have so many services to get people in. But then by the time I'm finally getting fired up, and by the time your faith is high enough, and the Spirit of God wants to do something, we have the next service and we've got to end. That's why we need a bigger building. Because we need to not have so many services. Every time we have a guest speaker, they go, you know that you need six services, right? What are you doing with four? I go, I can't. We'll die. We'll die. <laughs> I'm not doing six. I'm just not. What's the, what's, what's the, <laughs> and the worship team said, amen, praise the Lord. So we need a big building that can seat a thousand people. We need to do two services and we need to have room so that we don't quench the Holy Spirit. I don't want to have long services to have long services. But what I don't want to do is I don't want a clock to tell me when church ends. I want the Holy Spirit to tell me when church ends. But right now that clock's telling me when church ends. <laughs> Acts chapter 7 verse 51 says that he can be resisted. That word resist means to refuse to yield. You want to be in charge. I'm just showing you he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, and it is better that the Father is on the throne. It is better that Jesus is at the right hand, because now we have personal access to Almighty God by the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you've ever heard God, you heard the Holy Spirit. If you've ever felt the presence of God, you felt the Holy Spirit. You may have said, man, I felt Jesus. You didn't. You felt the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been led by God, Romans 8 says we're led by the Spirit of God. You were led by the Holy Spirit. If the word of God has ever like become 3D to you and you're reading, you're going, OMG, this is all for me. Oh my gosh, I'm, that's the Holy Spirit. If I've ever been preaching and your spirit leaps 
And you go, oh, man, this is everything I'm needed. That is the spirit of burning. It's when the Holy Spirit confirms his spirit and your spirit bear witness together. Psalms 42 says it's deep calls unto deep. There's this thing that goes, yes. It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit isn't goofy. Is it weird? People are weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you into truth. He wants to lead you into freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that wherever the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from sickness, freedom from disease, freedom from depression, freedom from strongholds, freedom. He wants to bring freedom. Well, what's our response? Glad you asked. What's our response? This is our third question. Luke chapter 11. Man, I don't know what was in that coffee this morning, but I am fired up. You know, this is my favorite thing to talk about because he's my best friend. The Holy Spirit is my best friend. Let me say this real quick. Some of you are going, Jabin, I love City Light, but you're freaking me out. <laughs> I love City Light, but every time you talk about the Holy Spirit, I get, I get a little weirded out. Let me tell you why you love City Light. Because of the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't let some weird thing you saw, and I'm going to talk about it in depth next week. Don't let a weird thing that you saw or something that you cannot explain limit you from the person of the Holy Spirit. We're not in love with methods. We're not in love with the denomination. We're not in love with, are we Pentecostal or charismatic? I'm not in love with labels. I'm in love with a person. His name is the Holy Spirit, and you need the Holy Spirit. And why you love this church is because you feel the presence of God in this place. So what's our response? Our response is Luke 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. What's our response? We ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. That's, how, that's what we do. And listen to me, especially depending upon your upbringing. If you ask the Father in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit, you will not get a demon. You will not get emotionalism. You will not get a churchy experience if you genuinely ask the Father in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give, he's not going to give a snake for fish. He's not going to give a scorpion for an egg. He's not going to give a stone for bread. And he's not going to give a demon for the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. So we should ask for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives to fill us, to encourage us, to speak to us, to lead us, to convict us. Here's, here's my prayer. Here's what I'm always praying. Come Holy Spirit. That's what I pray. When I say come Holy Spirit, I understand theologically that I have the Holy Spirit. But when I say come Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm not saying that God is far away. When I say come Holy Spirit, I'm asking for His power, for His presence. I want to experience him. How many know that you could be married and living in the same house with somebody 
but there is an intimacy and then you, you leave the kids or you leave the routine and you go to dinner and you're face to face. You're just as married at dinner as you were at the house. You're just as married on the date night as you are in the morning with morning breath. But there's something about set time, face to face. There's something about intentionality. When I say, come Holy Spirit, I'm saying, yeah, I know God is here and I know God is everywhere. I know theologically that he's omnipresent. I know theologically that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I could give you 20 scriptures right now that are just in the back of my head. I know all that theologically. But when I say, come Holy Spirit, when I was driving here this morning with Starbucks in hand, other hand on the steering wheel, worship music playing, I was saying, come Holy Spirit. What I was saying is, Holy Spirit, I don't want to just do this out of my intellect. I don't want to just get up here out of my own gifting. I want your presence. When I, when I pray, come Holy Spirit, I'm praying John 3, verse 30. When John the Baptist said this, he must increase, I must decrease. It's a, it's a heart posture. When, when, we, when we just sang that song, pour your spirit out, we're, we're saying we, we want more. And we want less of us. Come Holy Spirit means I don't want to live this life alone, but I want to live it with God in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Experiencing what we, what we read earlier, fellowship, communion with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what's our homework? Let me have the keys come up. What's our homework? Our homework is Romans 8, verse 14. Those who are led by the Holy Spirit are children of God. I'm asking you this week to purposely yield to the Holy Spirit. See, we, we, we read that because we're, we're Americans. Okay, how, do I, how am I led by the Holy Spirit? Jamie, give me, give me 10 steps right now. It's heart posture. You're missing it. It's heart posture. You know what it is to be led by the Holy Spirit? You get in your car and you're driving to work tomorrow and you got worship music playing and you say, Holy Spirit, today lead me. He will. Holy Spirit, today I yield to you. He will. Holy Spirit, today I refuse to resist you. He will lead and guide. I don't need to give you 10 steps. It's a heart posture that says, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be a child of God. I want to do this your way, not my way. And you're driving to pick up your kids from school and you say, lead me, Holy Spirit. And you're walking into dinner with the family and you're saying, lead me, Holy Spirit, as I'm a parent with these kids and we've got to have dinner and be, be the leader. And you're driving to that business deal and you don't know if you should sign with them or not. You don't know if you should go that route or this route. You don't know if you should buy that house or this house. And you go, lead me, Holy Spirit. And I promise you, he'll lead you. You'll know that you know that you know. There's no Bible for this, but you'll know when you're knower. I knew I was supposed to marry Shannon Chambers. I knew we were supposed to move to OC. I knew we were supposed to move to Vegas to plant. I just knew. Not because I'm super spiritual. Because I, I prayed, Holy Spirit, lead me. 
And then he'll start, he'll go, you, for real? For real, okay. When, when we moved to Summerlin a few years ago, we didn't know about all these roundabouts. We didn't know about the roundabout life. The roundabout life chose us, amen. We didn't choose the roundabout life. And I'm cutting people off, and I'm, people are flipping me off and honking. And, and I'm like, I thought it was whoever's fastest wins, right? You know, I'm just like, you know. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know. But I, after the like, second day of being cursed at, I went, I, I got to go to YouTube, amen. I got to find out what. I promise you, when I got my license in Belen, New Mexico, there was no roundabout in Belen, New Mexico. There was dirt roads, and that's about it. And, and I had to learn how to yield. I had to learn how to give right of way. All the Holy Spirit is asking is, will, will you let me be the leader? And it's a, again, it's a heart posture. It's just the daily prayer of surrender. And you watch how he will lead you. He will guide you. He'll start talking to you. He'll start shutting doors on you. He'll start opening up other doors for you. He'll start putting right people in your life. He'll start taking wrong people out of your life. He'll start, you start asking the Holy Spirit to lead you, your life will start to change. So much so that you'll go, God, what are you doing? I'm leading. It, it might even lead to a little bit of discomfort for a second, but it's because I'm positioning you. I'm positioning you. I'm, I'm getting the right people in your life. I'm getting the right opportunities in line. I've, I, this whole thing is a setup, but, but I'm doing it. So, so you're not in control. I'm in control. And again, the opposite of this is Acts 7. The, the preacher said, he said, you resist the Holy Spirit. You're trying to lead. You're trying to drive. You're trying to be in charge. And you've resisted him. And I just know so many believers that they're okay with the scripture, they're okay with church, they're okay with the Father, they're okay with the Son, but the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life and you just resist. And next week we're going to talk about an amazing experience for every believer. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to come and I want you to bring friends because it's not going to be weird, but it's going to be life-changing, but it's going to be life-changing. And I want you to think about water baptism really quick before we end. By the way, July 4th, we're going to have water baptisms after every service. And it's going to be a great day of freedom, not only celebrating our freedoms in the nation, but we're going to be celebrating the freedom of Jesus. And, and, and now I want you to catch this. In water baptism, a disciple, that disciple embraces you. And they immerse you into something. They immerse you into water. Now, in the moment of baptism, you have to yield. Can you imagine someone in that water? They're fighting. <laughs> I can because I see people every Sunday. And they won't yield to the Holy Spirit. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, sing it out. It's time to give. <laughs> and she, look, look what Jesus said. Jesus said, 
I will, he will, Jesus will, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I know so many people, Jesus wants to immerse you in the power, the presence, the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen, but you got to yield. You got to yield. And if you don't, you'll just, you'll just resist. You'll be, in a, you'll be in a posture of closure instead of a posture of openness. And I'm, I'm not, again, don't get caught up on, on, don't get caught up on all the other stuff. Just yield. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you and watch what he'll do in your life. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. I want to ask you to be open to that this week. As you worship in the car, as you fill your home with praise and worship, as you just pray that prayer of surrender every day. Holy Spirit, lead me. And you watch what he'll do. It, he'll blow your mind. He'll change your life. He will change your life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you for the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, come upon your people. Lead us, guide us, direct us, encourage us, convict us, strengthen us. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your encouragement. We need your grace. Father, I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We receive you, Holy Spirit. 